There's some good news for the cement and concrete industry just in time for the holidays. The market for transportation infrastructure is predicted to grow at least 5% next year, so long as Congress can finish a reauthorization bill on time. The forecast and the caveat are part of the latest economic outlook released by ARTBA, the American Road and Transportation Builders Association. In case you were wondering, the current Fast Act funding law expires next September. This is Hard Facts, a podcast production of the Portland Cement Association. I'm Robert Johnson. Throughout the year, we've spoken with many transportation experts here in Washington and around the country as they work to impact funding and policy that drives construction projects and ultimately the American economy. Every one of them wants to make sure transportation remains part of the national conversation at the White House and on Capitol Hill. Now, as we wrap up the inaugural season of this podcast, We close out the year visiting the office of President Donald Trump's top highway official, serving under Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao. Nicole Nason took over the job as administrator of the Federal Highway Administration in April, returning to the Department of Transportation, where she served several appointments under former President George W. Bush. Here's my conversation about funding and the year ahead with my former DOT colleague and friend, FHWA Administrator Nicole Nason. You're on your second tour of duty here at the U.S. Department of Transportation. I think the last time you and I were both in this building, you were the administrator at NHTSA and I was the chief of staff. Is that right? That is correct. That is how we both left the building. How's the second tour going? Well, when I first came in as the Assistant Secretary of Government Affairs, which I think looking back was incredibly valuable because it gives you that mile-wide, inch-deep perspective of the whole department. And it's helpful as a modal administrator, to understand what's happening in the other modes, what's happening in the secretary's office. It gives you important perspective. So I value that time. And then coming back as an administrator the second time around, it's a different experience in a different mode. And people think, well, you've done this before, but I haven't done it here. And Federal Highways has the largest budget, second largest number of employees. So it's a very different feel. They've got boots on the ground in every state, whereas most of the other modes have regions. So you go visit sections of the country. In federal highways, we have to interact with every single state, plus Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. So it's just a different feel. And I'm glad I have the experience of understanding the way the department works because it helped me hit the ground faster, I think. But there's still a lot to learn. This job hands out money to every state and territory. So it really puts you in touch with what's going on everywhere. It's different from NHTSA. NHTSA did a lot of national messaging, national programming, wear your seatbelt, put your children in car seats, don't drive drunk. What's special, I think, about federal highways is you get to interact and really have an impact, improve quality of life, I think. State by state, county by county, town by town, you get to hear from state and local officials exactly what's happening in their communities, what they're struggling with, where they really need help. And so having all of that intel and being able to bring that back to the secretary, bring that back to Congress, share that information, I think really makes this organization incredibly valuable to the department as a whole. 
because we can share information in a very small microcosm level that the rest of the organization just can't really do. And if you're not on top of your game, the economy really does pay the price because everything needs to move. Right. We care about freight. We care about railroad crossings. We care about highways and bridges and tunnels. We care about safety on the roads because every time there's a crash, that impacts traffic in the whole community. So Federal Highways gets to look at a lot of what's happening across the modes. We do a lot of interaction with motor carriers, for example, on truck platooning and other issues. We do a lot of interaction with NHTSA on safety. And that's what I like best about this organization. It's an interaction with state and local communities, but we can have a very broad impact on the country as a whole. You mentioned your experience at DOT began on the legislative side, but that was not your first experience in Washington. Can you let our listeners know a little bit more about you and how far back your experience here in this town on these issues actually extends? I can remember graduating from law school and I was staying in a friend's apartment and I was looking out over the U.S. Capitol and I was thinking, I am going to get a job there. That is where I am meant to be. And I landed my first position on the Judiciary Committee some years ago as an assistant counsel because I hadn't passed the bar yet. And so back then you weren't allowed to be called counsel until you passed the bar. It was one of the staff director's rules. And I spent several years up on the Hill and I left briefly and I missed it. Some people are just junkies. (laughs) And I was one of them. And I went back to work for a congressman named Porter Goss, who was from Southwest Florida. And he happened to be chairman of the Intelligence Committee at the time. And that's where I was on 9-11, which was just an extraordinary day in my life and had such an impact on me. And I left shortly thereafter because right after 9-11, many members of the executive branch who had been pending in the Senate were being held for a variety of reasons. Senate confirmed all of them. There was this incredible moment of bipartisanship. And one of the officials who was confirmed was the U.S. Customs Commissioner. And they called me up and they said, Would you be interested in working for the Customs Service? We know your father is in law enforcement. We know your father was the head of highway patrol. He was a New York police chief. Would you want to come into the executive branch? I'm so glad I said yes, because it just changed my career trajectory completely. But at the time, I was very nervous about leaving Capitol Hill because I was Mm. such a house mouse and I was so comfortable (laughs) up there. And I went and spent one year working as the head of government affairs at the U.S. Customs Service, and it was eye-opening on such a global level. I traveled the world looking at shipping and containers and international freight. And it was such a great experience that when I had the opportunity to go to DOT, I didn't even hesitate. Let's now talk about what's going on in Washington these days as it relates to the areas of the administration that you're responsible for, transportation funding. We had a CR passed just a few weeks ago that gets us a little closer to the end of the year, but Probably be more of those, at least one maybe, who knows. The rescission is making a lot of news. The putting back of the $7.6 billion rescission that was included in the last funding plan. What's been the reaction to that? What are you hearing from your constituents, the states, the road builders, the people who are out doing the work in the country about that decision specifically? Oh, they're thrilled. This was the number one priority for AASHTO. And we were doing whatever we could to support them. You know, funding is 
the top priority for the states because they need to plan. It's like anyone else. If you don't know what your budget is going to be next year or next month or next week, you can't plan in advance for how you're going to spend it. So I know they've been up there trying to sell that message as aggressively as they possibly can. But at the same time, for all my years in Washington, I have given up trying to guess what this Congress is going to do. I used to think I had some skills being able to prognosticate on what's happening in Washington. I have long abandoned any hope of trying to guess. I know that there's tremendous interest up there, bipartisan interest, in getting an appropriations bill for the department, in getting a larger infrastructure bill done, or at least reauthorization bill done. But I have abandoned any hope of trying to predict what's going to happen. I think 2020 is going to be a momentous year on the Hill. I think there are a lot of things that they're going to get done, and it's going to surprise people. Hmm. But I can't tell you in what order when. (laughs) I wish I knew. (laughs) Well, so... All the crystal ball questions I had written down then. Can't, yeah, I'm can't so really sorry. <laughs> I left it in my other coat <laughs> next time. Oh, Bruce Babbitt told me once when I was a teenager and reporting on the radio in Tucson, after I asked him to predict the Arizona legislature, he looked down on me because he was about eight feet tall in my view from my shortness and said, he who uses a crystal ball often eats broken glass. Oh, that's great. And then he moved on to ask me if I had any other questions. <laughs> I'm going to have to borrow that from him. Yeah, you can borrow that. I'm sure he'd be happy to share it. Yeah. He's just wandering around in the pine trees of northern Arizona now, so he's oh, good. I've been eating a lot of broken glass in the last couple of years. <laughs> well, the activity, though, is happening around the reauthorization. The Senate pushed out its bill before the break in August. What did you like about that version of the next six years? You know, the department as a whole, I think, was so appreciative that the Senate was taking action. We've had a very good relationship with the chairman and the ranking member up there. So the fact that they were moving ahead was positive. It was nothing but positive that they were advancing the ball. And I think that's good. We've had lots of conversations with them about things that we liked and things that we might want to change in their legislation, and they've been open to ideas. I do think they're waiting to see what happens in the House side, because, of course, we need both bodies to act. So there's only so much that the Senate can do on their own. And we provided a ton of technical assistance to the Senate going forward, which I thought was a very good sign that they were asking us for so much assistance as we were moving forward, because there were some complaints inside the department. We're providing record levels of technical assistance. Well, that's good. That means we're having good, strong conversations with the Senate side. So I found that to be a plus. And we've had nothing but good conversations continuing. I think there's huge interest in the House and the Senate in advancing legislation next year. We're not going to get it done in 2019. I mean, calendar year, not fiscal year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I am hearing, just like everyone else, that the House is drafting moving ahead with something. So we're waiting to hear and to get those requests for more support from the House side too, because we stand ready to offer technical assistance to the House as well. Well, the president's been talking about this since he ran for this office. And a lot of people give him credit for putting infrastructure into the mix, moving it off the back burner in a lot of ways, forcing that conversation in 2016. So it would make sense that there would still be that level of interest going into next year as all this starts to bubble up. 
the president has spoken repeatedly about his strong interest in infrastructure. I think you're right. I don't think anyone's confused that this is something he's very personally invested in and interested in. Secretary Chow has made infrastructure improvements one of her top three priorities, along with innovation and, of course, safety first and foremost. Safety of the entire transportation system is her number one priority. So we are working on all three of Secretary Chow's priorities, and infrastructure is one of them. We're going to see what we can get done. And frankly, part of what we need to do to meet the Secretary's priorities, see what we can get done even without Congress. There are things that we can do to help speed up permitting, to cut the red tape here and there, to make it easier for states and localities to move ahead with their projects. And that's something we're looking at pretty aggressively. A couple of the issues that people who listen to these interviews are interested in revolve around resiliency and then life cycle cost analysis, a couple of the weeds sort of issues that they talk about a lot. Can you give them the department's view on the question of or the issue of resiliency, kind of where you are, where the administration's thinking is on that topic? Well, we know just looking at the Senate bill, anybody could see they had a whole title. I think it was called climate change. But resiliency is critically important to the department. I was asked about it at my confirmation hearing in some way or another from several members. So what's significant to us in Federal Highways and what we spend a lot of our R&D money on are exactly those issues. How can we help advance research to share what we can find with industry, with our partners in the states and communities? We have close to half a billion dollars of R&D money. And we want to make sure that we're focusing that money and that research on issues that our stakeholders and our partners care about. And those are issues everybody cares about. We had a day back in September, we called it the Research Showcase Day, where we brought in our entire Turner Fairbank research team into the building. And we showed off all of the R&D that we're doing in everything from resiliency to automated vehicles to use of drones for bridge inspections to truck platooning work. It was a really positive day, but what I thought was most significant about it was it gave us the chance to demonstrate to both folks inside the building and stakeholders who came to visit for the day and to Hill staffers and members of Congress that we're doing so much work beyond what anyone really knows about. We're a lot more than just crash testing cars to check the guardrails. And so that's something I want to make sure that we're promoting as we go forward. There certainly looks to be more conversation around that issue. It gets ginned up every time we have a new storm, every time some natural occurrence you know, devastates an area. And infrastructure is vital to the recovery, so it can't go down. The definition of resiliency, just so many things going on there. Do you think that will be a key part of this discussion in the reauthorization next year? I mean, you mentioned the Senate title, but I assume the House will probably engage this as well. You know, again, I've given up predicting in the House. I know what I know (laughs) from what I've seen publicly, and it looks like this is an issue. I would expect that these conversations are going to continue into next year. From Federal Highway's perspective, our job is to make sure that we're helping to make infrastructure as safe and resilient as possible as we move forward. So anything that we can do to support states and local communities and our partners in the Indian tribes to make sure that they can get out safely in the event of a natural disaster and then we can get it rebuilt as quickly as possible is our priority. And so I know our team 
here at headquarters and also at Turner Fairbank in Virginia is constantly looking for new ideas. They're very aggressively testing lots of new ideas. And these are things that we will be sharing with the Congress next year. The other issue they're interested in is this idea of life cycle cost analysis, you know, looking at the full cost of a project from the day you cut the ribbon to the day you replace it with something so that you can get a better picture of the cost of that project. Maybe you even want to take that into account at the beginning and spend a little more up front to make it stronger, better, make it last longer, that sort of thing, less maintenance required. The people who don't like the idea of that are sort of in the anti-mandate camp, right? They don't want the federal government telling the states what to do. What's the update there? Is there any update at all on that idea coming out of Washington? Well, it's funny because prior to being at Federal Highways, I was at the State Department running the Office of Administration and the acting head of Overseas Buildings Operations. And I can't tell you the number of life cycle cost meetings I was in regarding U.S. embassies. Because mm. you have that same question. You want to look at the cost of the embassy. You also want to consider, even as you're bringing in new technology and new materials, how long is it going to last? How difficult is it to repair? Where do you get the equipment and the people to make those repairs? So I've spent a lot of time in life cycle cost meetings at state. At Federal Highways, we certainly agree that we don't want to direct the states and the communities. I mean, one thing you know when you travel around is everyone is very different. It is absolutely true that what works for California does not work for Texas, may not work for Illinois, doesn't work in Ohio. So, you know, as you go from state to state and community to community, you realize when people say they're unique, they really are. And then you have places like Alaska that have such a short construction time frame. So there are lots of things that different states and communities need to take into account as they're moving ahead with their construction projects. And we don't want to direct. We just want to support. How can we help you help everyone in your community improve their quality of life through improved infrastructure? And so that's a balance that we have to look at. But I do think that working through, particularly Ashto, who's such a great partner to Federal Highways, we get a good sense when we meet with them about what the needs are among the various states and communities, and we try to give support wherever we can. I still have to ask you to look ahead for us, even though we've already spent a lot of time about the crystal ball and its dangers and the lack of the ability to predict. But, you know, predicting is what people like to do. It gives them something to look forward to. So you said earlier that you think the new year is going to be full of activity, that there's going to be a lot going on. I am ever hopeful that the new year <laughs> is going to be full of activity. There's so much for the Congress to do, and there are so many places where we can work together. You know, it's an election year, presidential election year, so that always takes up a lot of time, obviously, once a convention starts. But that first six months could be incredibly busy for the administration. And as you noted, President Trump is incredibly interested in infrastructure. And the secretary has made it a priority of hers. So that makes it a priority of mine. And we're going to continue to travel around the country. We're going to continue to spread that message and do what we can. The Congress is going to busy itself and that's their choice. But I'm hopeful. My fingers are crossed. You'd like to avoid extensions of the reauthorization, wouldn't you? Well, it matters a little less to Federal Highways than some of the rest of my colleagues because, of course, we get funded. But nobody likes an extension. There's so much certainty around an extension that it's hard to plan. And so people don't. They hold off on 
investing. They hold off on making decisions on projects. And that's not great for all Americans. So we want to push that work. And the best way to encourage everyone to move ahead on infrastructure and construction as a whole is to have a budget so they can plan. We're close, I think. I keep reading in the news like everyone else that we're getting close on a budget and I'm Right up there, lighting candles. <laughs> well, that's a festive remark <laughs> there you to make go. this time the holidays. Of year. Yeah. <laughs> What gets in the way of getting that done, do you think? Getting a reauthorization before we extend ourselves to death? Well, there's multiple committees moving. There's so many moving parts up there. I do have the advantage of having worked up on Capitol Hill for a lot of years. So, you know, I know there's always great frustration. People say, well, why can't Congress just get X? done, whatever your personal pet issue is. And it's complicated. There's a lot of moving parts. When you're talking about hundreds of House members and another hundred senators and their personal offices and their district offices, and then you've got committee offices and you've got multiple leadership and you've got scheduling time on the floor of the Senate and scheduling time on the floor of the House, and the Rules Committee has to set rules, it's complex. And so I'm very appreciative whenever there's positive movement because I know that means behind the scenes, scores of staffers up there have been, you know, shoulder to the wheel, pushing that issue forward. I think it's just, there's a lot of time spent on a variety of issues. It's sometimes hard to get just one that gets the attention of all of the members and all the staff, but the budget is one that I'm really hopeful about. You've been around the department for a long time in this job since April For people who don't know the inner workings, who aren't around this every day, they're out in the rest of the country creating jobs, generating tax revenue, building things. What do you think is still kind of a newbie here they should know about this administration, the Federal Highway Administration, the Secretary, the President, whatever it is you want to tell them? This is your chance to say something to the men and women who build things roads and bridges especially. Everyone in this department under Secretary Elaine Chow's leadership is working every single day to help support the work that's happening in the transportation industry overall. And I know people don't see it because they're off living their lives, they're doing their thing, but they really, I mean, if I could just get one message out, it's please believe me, we are here, we are working We are meeting with stakeholders and partners, and we are trying to advance your goals. And we are always open to ideas. Sometimes I hear people say, well, we don't really know how to get into the department. We don't really know how to have a meeting or arrange a meeting, particularly smaller groups and associations. All you need to do is call, email. We will get back to you. I mean, the secretary has made sure that we are open for new and innovative ideas. And we're also open to complaints. So I'm here, whether you have good news or bad, (laughs) come on in. Well, it's been great to have this conversation with you, Administrator Nicole Nason. I am thankful that you invited us to be part of this important podcast, and I hope that we can do it again. So do I. Thanks, Robert. Happy holidays. Same to you. A link to the Art by Economic Forecast is in the show notes for this episode. That does it for the inaugural season of Hard Facts. 
If you like the show, please leave a rating and a review or share it with people at work or in your industry. Your recommendations help grow the audience and make it easier for others to find us online. And remember this, you can find all 42 episodes of Hard Facts online at cement.org or on your mobile device wherever you get your podcast. For the Portland Cement Association, I'm Robert Johnson, wishing you a very prosperous new year.